Welcome to Sound and Vision, conversations with contemporary artists and musicians about the creative process. Here's the host of Sound and Vision, Brian Alfred. Sound and Vision is sponsored by Golden Artist Colors. Golden makes some of the best art materials that you can get. You can find their products online at goldenpaints.com or in your local art store. Sound and Vision is also sponsored by Fulcrum Coffee Roasters. Fulcrum makes incredible coffee that you can have delivered to your door. Check out their website, fulcrumcoffee.com, where you can order subscription coffee services to have different blends delivered straight to your door, and you could save by entering code ALFREDSTUDIO when you check out. Sound and Vision is supported by the New York Studio School. The school welcomes artists of all levels to join the upcoming five-day intercession marathon entitled Constructing Space, led by painter Ed Preby, and taking place from Thursday, March 21st through Monday, March 25th, 2024. Rigorous and immersive, the Studio School's legendary marathons present an extensive range of art-making strategies, comprehensive critiques, and inspirational discussions. Virtual marathons are led in real-time online, enabling artists to participate from their studios anywhere in the world. Visit nyss.org to apply today and stay tuned for summer marathons coming up in June and July. Brian Stedman was born in 1974 in Greenville, South Carolina, and lives and works in Delhi, New York. He has shown his work at galleries such as Karma in New York, Halsey McKay in Brooklyn and East Hampton, Natalie Carr Gallery in New York, and others. He's earned his BFA from the University of Georgia in Athens and his MFA from Pratt Institute in Brooklyn. His writings on art have appeared in magazines such as Art Forum, The Observer, Cultured Magazine, and others. His current show, Real Ones, is up at Halsey McKay Gallery in Greenpoint until March 17th. I caught up with Ryan for a talk about heading upstate, early days of seeing live music, Bob Dylan, Atlanta and Athens, simplifying and getting personal in art, and much more. Here's our conversation. Well, you're, so you're upstate, right? I am now upstate, yeah. I've, um... I'm in a town called Delhi, which is, um, I guess that's technically oh, that's, the Catskills. I know that place. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, It's like, it's a little northwest of Hunter Mountain, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, Andes is a town nearby that a lot of people know about. Uh, yeah. Um, yep. But yeah, it's a, almost exactly three hours from the city, which was kind of our limit. Uh, and we hit it, right. you know, and um, we moved up before the pandemic, uh, which was very convenient, just preemptive strike nice dumb luck yeah (laughs) um and so that's been great i mean the pandemic was actually sort of nice for us you know (laughs) being up here um i can imagine yeah we had already kind of gotten the lay of the land i mean i guess a lot of people moved out of the city because of the pandemic but um yeah ours was most you know ours was mostly to save money and kind of get back to nature things like that um which, you know, I guess the pandemic gave everyone the reason to um, seek those things out. 
Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's been great. Yeah, that was a, <clears throat> I mean, maybe not intentional, but good timing. Yeah. Because didn't you, you lived in East Williamsburg right by me, right? Yeah, that's right. I've actually been in that area kicking around that same kind of hundred yards for, <laughs> let me see, I graduated from Pratt in about in 2000. And then moved yeah. over. I was in Greenpoint, like not far from where I was. So, um, but like the eastern part of Greenpoint. So I've been there, God, like, yeah, like 20 years. And that was my limit, I guess. <laughs> I think you got out at a good time, too. <laughs> yeah, it always seems like a good time to get out, right? Like there's always more crazy building projects. I went on the High Line yesterday with my kid, and some of those buildings are just ridiculous looking. It's crazy because I I think since the pandemic, I've gone into the city far less than I used to. Yeah. Like my, I'm just local. Like I just do stuff and my son goes to school in Queens. So I'm never going into the city anymore really. So once in a while, just go to a neighborhood that I haven't been. I realize it's been years and years since I've been there and it's so different. Like the buildings, the store, everything. Yeah. Well, yeah. Even Bedford Avenue. Like if I don't go down for a while. And I go down there, there's all this new stuff. I'm like, there's a Chanel? Like, what? That's insane. You know, like, when did... Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I don't mean to be one of those old guys harping on the neighborhood changing, but, you know. And it, it probably was like that when we were young and we just didn't realize it because yeah. you don't know about, like, the store turnover and stuff like that. But, um, but yeah, the city's... Yeah, you know, I brought her to the High Line and to the um, uh, Natural History Museum. And nice. that, that neighborhood is not that different actually, but it was, it yeah. felt kind of, it was an interesting feeling being in the city again after, I mean, I come back in a lot, but it's mostly same as you, like in Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, it was, it was interesting. I felt a little yeah, FOMO <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> yeah. But don't you think like uh, for a lot of the people that I know who've made the move either upstate or Pennsylvania, you know, just out to where right. it's commutable is that they end up re- when they go into the city they really take advantage of it they do the <laughs> things that normally you should do living here but you get so busy with the day to day that you you never end up doing that stuff yeah that's exactly right you know what I mean yeah <laughs> you uh yeah it's true I mean although I haven't you know uh, well my kids still live in Brooklyn so a lot of my going I go to the city a lot but I don't do a lot of um personal time necessarily it's more just like yeah. picking up dropping off um right. but when i do ex- exactly it's like that it's like oh i want to hit 20 openings or i want to go to these museums and um just be the tourist for that day kind of right um so actually this is a good question i think because <laughs> i for some reason i didn't research this <clears throat> but i don't know where you grew up <laughs> um yeah no it's okay um I grew up in a few places, uh, actually most mostly in the South. Um, my parents are both Chicagoans, more or less, um, okay. but they moved to Greenville, South Carolina, where I was born, um, which has grown, actually. It wasn't that big when we were living there. Um, and then around middle school, we all moved to Atlanta, Georgia, mm-hmm. But um, which was fine, you know, but I was a... Uh, I was like the kid of some very like kind of just straight shooting Midwesterners. Um, 
mostly Jewish. Um, and the South was kind of like, it's just, it always felt foreign to me, even yeah. being born there. Um, and there was kind of always a desire to get to something more cosmopolitan, I guess, or just different. You just felt that? Yeah, pretty much always. Um, and, you know, I guess... Why like, did they make the move? That's a big shift, isn't it? <laughs> what, what now? Going... Why did they make that move from Chicago to down south? Uh, just my dad's work. He found a company okay. there he was working with, and I think they were very sick of Chicago winters. Um, yeah, that can... That can get on you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they won't even visit me in the winter. Uh, and upstate, and Chicago is actually much worse. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, um, and you know, there's a lot of, Atlanta is kind of the big hub of the South, and there's a lot of different people there, actually, especially now. Yeah. Um, less so maybe in the 80s, but, um, right. But, you know, it was fine. There was like any other town or city you find your people and you know muck your way through it until you uh get to new york or wherever you want to go after that <laughs> to escape um <laughs> i think i've heard that you're well, from pittsburgh right yeah yeah it's i mean pittsburgh Very offers a lot actually but it's sort of similar yeah it's chicago like i think yeah you know i had a lot of friends who um when they graduated high school they went to chicago mm. i think it's a is a similar um, feel you know that blue collar kind of working class right um gray ish <laughs> you know yeah that the winters get drab and yeah good music right yeah you know people i think sometimes people do creative things in those kind of places because there's just like you know what are you gonna do yeah <laughs> so you like have get grab some friends and make a band you know yeah stuff like that i don't know does that still happen it seems like that's a good it question. Did. I guess <laughs> grab your laptop and start <laughs> making stuff. Up. Yeah, just make it yourself. Yeah. Get all the royalties. Don't share it with anyone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hire, go on hire backup that. bands. And right. Go on tour in a mod- <laughs> motorcycle <laughs> with a backpack as your equipment. Yeah, I can't imagine. I keep I keep doing that. And again, we're gonna maybe sound like old people here. Right. I keep doing that thing where. Um, I'm curious if like those basement gigs and those bands still happen. Like do people, I'm sure here and there. Yeah. I don't know. But you know how it was like a thing, like where you would go live music was just like a thing where people would go see people <laughs> in basements and jam. And yeah, I wonder if the convenience of recording in your own spot and doing a lot of stuff online or on the computer has quieted that down a bit, but I don't, maybe there's a burgeoning, sort of indie scene yeah there's not really i feel like there's not really any free shared space anymore anywhere um yeah yeah. maybe like in suburbs you know they have garages and stuff still i'm not sure um yeah but in the city it's like forget about it like where are you gonna set up do anything (laughs) yeah well did you were you into music when you were a kid yeah i mean as probably as much as anyone from our era i think i actually predate you a little um not to throw out any numbers, exact numbers, but, um, but yeah, around that time, like music was pretty huge and, you know, there was some music scene, um, in Atlanta more so, um, when I went, where I went to college in Athens, um, kind of known for its music scene. Um, but yeah, early on I was, you know, into 
kind of into anything that came on. Obviously, uh, MTV was, everyone was getting into that at the time. Um, Were you a 120 minutes person or a headbanger <laughs> ball? <laughs> More of 120 minutes, um, for sure. But I did watch some headbangers ball. Um, what was the club? There had to be a club version, right? Probably. Like downtown Julie Brown. Remember downtown Julie yeah. Brown? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It was, it was like so... some sort of like yeah. clubbish <laughs> thing. Um, what was the first video you remember seeing? First video. That's a good question. Jeez. Um, I just remember the, the year that the cars were really big. It was like 84, oh, yeah. I think. Or 85, yeah. maybe. I'm not sure. And like that you might think video was really big for some oh, with reason. with the fly? Yeah, yeah. Where Rick Ocasek turns into a fly. Yeah, yeah that rest, was creepy. Rest in peace. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was a good, that's a good song. Um, yeah, they were like at the top of their momentum, I think. And yeah. they were kind of like, they're, in, I mean, not like a huge fan or anything, but they were like a, uh, they're interesting because he was already like pretty old, I think, at that point. Yeah. Just like, just like targeting this, this very young art, audience perfectly, I feel like. But, um, yeah, he did it well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, I was, I don't know, I was kind of like a shy, little bit nerdy kid, but um, for some reason, like really fairly young, I got super into Bob Dylan. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, <laughs> I mean, I was into like MTV and all that kind of stuff at first. Um, yeah. And pop and rock. And I still, you know, I didn't stop being into that. But um, I don't know, it was just such a, it just felt so alien to me here at listening to him. And it was just like, this guy's a terrible singer, but I'm just so drawn to it at the same time. Um, yeah. And, you know, I still, to this day, I'm a big, big Dylan fan. Um, you know, he's not, he had some periods I'm not that into, but, um, yeah. But that was kind of like a big, uh, I'm trying to think how old I was, probably like beginning to become a teenager, teenage years. Right. Um, that kind of really, I think kind of was my big, um, my big, like kind of first music breakthrough. And I, I was thinking about this earlier, like, why was that? But, um, it's because Dylan, you know, Dylan had so many influences himself and it was such a great way to go through his catalog and then learn about, you know, f folk singers, like Jackson Frank and like Simon and Garfunkel and people, from the early folk eras and then later he got into like his rimbo era where he's like being yeah, yeah. being a more of a poet an amazing poet and then like getting into americana and plugging in bands like the band and neil young and i mean he just kind of like and then country with like his country album like that got me into johnny cash pretty much yeah. uh and towns van zand and um yeah it's just like I thought like the value of, of what he's done over his career, aside from his own songwriting, which is amazing, is kind of point to all these other artists and, you know, kind of, I mean, Patti Smith, he was like a huge proponent, fan of Patti Smith. Like he, um, you know, he, he taught me like so much about music essentially. Um, yeah. so I don't know why that really kind of like, uh, connected with me early on. Also, I think kind of like the, a Jewish kid from like a small random town trying to like overcome like just being himself kind of. Yeah. 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 Kind of echoed with me a little bit, but, um, yeah, I never, I, it was weird. I don't, 
um, obviously I knew who Dylan was, but I guess my, my dad was a big Motown guy and I know mm. he liked Dylan, but he never had Dylan records. So I didn't really <laughs> listen to a lot of Dylan. Yeah. And then like later on I was aware of him, but it, I just, there's some people that you know are pivotal that you just kind of miss the boat on a bit. And I feel like <laughs> I, I never dug deep into Dylan obviously respect the guy and like Bowie's like that too I mean I, I love certain mm, Bowie songs yeah. but I never did the deep dive because I know there's tons of material out there yeah he's now he's a guy that I missed early on and then got later got into and I've kind of come full circle on where I'm like well, you know he's good but right and I'm glad I digested all of that that catalog you know but yeah it's not like your guy necessarily um did you uh, did you see the We Are the World documentary <laughs> where Dylan with Dylan in there? Uh, it's really good. I did, and I just I know the memes. There's are like endless. The where he's just oh kinda, really? I haven't seen any of that. Just because he's like that that video of him just kind of dazed out, like looking like he doesn't oh. doesn't really give a shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's pretty funny. But yeah, no, I should check that out. Uh, no, he it was really endearing because he he felt kind of awkward because he didn't. <coughs> obviously, a lot of those singers were like singer singers. It was about like, right. showcasing this like vibrato, you know the. And he was just so iconic that he didn't know how <laughs> to do it. And then finally, he just did his thing, and it was perfect. You know, it was kind of endearing. Yeah. Whereas I think it was like Waylon Jennings or or I think it was Waylon Jennings who just walked out on it. He was just like <laughs> bored. He was like, all right, I'm out. He just literally walked out on that it. That kind of makes sense. It was pretty good. Yeah pretty good documentary though. huh yeah i have to so in those dylan out. in those dylan times were you also like were you drawing or were you into art being creative when you were younger um, did that come later no i mean i i was probably like a lot of people i drew very young and um you know as a kid just drawing like anything pretty much animals dinosaurs whatever you you're interested in at those young ages but um um, yeah, I guess once I started, I don't know. I mean, I was into Dylan, but I was also really, you know, starting to get into, you know, better rock, I guess, like the Pixies and stuff. Um, yeah. Jane's Addiction. I had this one friend, Josh. Um, hey, Josh, if you're listening, um, who had, you know, the cool older brother. He would always get me into stuff like yeah. in a really timely way and i appreciated that he's actually a really great musician himself um has been in a lot of bands back was in andrew bird's band for a long time oh, nice. um but yeah he had except for the red hot chili peppers had excellent taste <laughs> um <laughs> so he was a great friend uh on many levels but yeah that was helpful um but i think like around that time also like you know i wasn't like one of those kids like totally submerged in fine art or anything. I just kind of like drawing. I had kind of like a knack for it. Um, and kind of just my first things were like copying, uh, comic book stuff or like, I really like drawing band logos. Um, like the stones logo or the Zeppelin or the misfits logo was always like super cool to draw impress people. that was Van Halen. I the Van Halen V H over and because I love the three D element of right, it. Right? Yeah. Man, I do that <laughs> thing constantly. Yeah. Now you you're probably good with uh, probably could have been a good typographer in a different era. Oh, I didn't think <laughs> of that. 
<laughs> but I was a little sloppy. I was never <laughs> super tight. I liked uh, that stuff, but yeah. I couldn't quite, you know. Well, you're also young. Yeah, you're still working on it. Even the Grateful Dead logo, which I was not really into the band so much, but great logo. Anything with a skull, Iconic. basically, yeah. The yeah. Tony Hawk logo, I mean, in getting into like skateboard stuff, like just anything yeah. like that was fun to kind of reproduce. But, you know, more like graphic stuff, not like fine art yet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't even think I really knew what that was until <laughs> later on. But for me, yeah, I've talked about this before, but skateboarding was such a huge, uh, kind of like a visual thing. You know, I yeah. got really excited like my guy was like Mark Gonzalez and I had a bunch of Mark Gonzalez decks and I loved his art because it was just so weird. I couldn't, yeah. you know what I mean? It was just enthralling because I was like, what is this? Why are you drawing <laughs> these people and fish ladies? And that was just so, you know, compelling. Yeah. Did you skate also or was it more like a... I did, yeah. yeah. Pretty hardcore, yeah. Nice. I had some friends who were really good. You know, yeah. I was average, but I had some friends who went on and got sponsored and, you know, did it for a while, but... Yeah, it's funny. Um, Pittsburgh's a tough place to skate. It's too hilly. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense, I guess. It wasn't, it's weird, it wasn't that, it didn't get as big in the American South, I feel like, although there was some of it, and you could see, Yeah. you know, they sold, you know, they had a skate shop and stuff, and you could go see the different boards, and um, I wasn't super into it. I was very on the periphery, but, um, but, you know, admired it from afar, and now that I, you know, know many northeasterners uh i really understand how obsessed they were with like skateboarding (laughs) (laughs) yeah it was a thing man i think in in that era it was you know parallel to kind of punk or rap it felt like um charged and kind of cool and a little bit punk you know and it was funny because a lot of the skaters that i skated with i mean some were punks but some were like really nice people, but we always got it from every angle. I think that's probably unconsciously why I tapped out of it a little bit because it was just like everywhere you go, you're getting chased, yelled at, people (laughs) think you're delinquents, you know? Yeah. There's only (laughs) that got exhausted. So much of that. Yeah. You want to do. Yeah. Then years later, everywhere you go, there's a beautiful skate park. (laughs) I missed the bus on it. Right. Yeah. We had to drive so far to get to a mediocre like half pipe or something i know right and now you see these beautiful back in my hometown there's like this amazing skate park it's like boy that would have been nice well there's to have an actual place have you seen that one at cooper park that's like kids are just i know right flocking there now it's amazing and you can go somewhere where you're not going to be half of the day was running (laughs) or like escaping you know what i mean getting chased off of things so it was a different exercise back then yeah, although I guess that was kind of fun, or, <laughs> you know, enthralling. Yeah, <laughs> gets your blood going a little bit. Um, but yeah, I don't. So, so you were drawing a little bit, but it was more the you were more into that other stuff. When did you start? Like when you when in high school, you getting ready to go to college, or like what are you thinking as far as like what you want to do, or where did you have any ideas, or were you just kind of like, well, I'll go to school, or. Yeah, the, I mean, it was, was kind of, I was not a great student, um, which I found out much later, you know, was related to ADHD, um, depression, but, um, you know, it was the kind of thing where my advisor was like, don't take the SAT again, because there's too much of a discrepancy between your grades. 
and your SATs. Uh, and if you do better, it'll look even, you'll look even lazier, basically. I was like, oh, thanks for that advice. It's trying to flatten the curve. <laughs> yeah, something. Between just just do better in class. And I was like, no can do. Um, so, yeah, I just kind of, uh, you know, art was kind of like always in the back of my mind, sort of. Um, and I just was like, well, I'll go to basically the local school, um, UGA. Uh, it was affordable and it was close enough. I could go home and, you know, put clothes in the laundry machine there and then come back. Um, but, um, yeah, it was, I, I thought it was kind of what I needed, um, because I could hop from major to major and no one would care for a while. Um, and it was a slow kind of kind of moving from like, I, I liked some literature then, so I was like, why don't I do English or something like that? And then I kind of matriculated to art, um, but I was kind of like, well, I'll I'll do something practical like uh, graphic design. And so I was doing design for a while, and then I just gave in to painting after a while. And that was, you know, it was... Was that from being, taking classes at school or... Yeah. Like being around the art department. At college, seeing, yeah. Like, oh, people do that. Um, well, there you kind of have like a major, but you take, in the art, in the school of art, you have the major, but you take a lot of outside electives as well. And um, I can't remember which art teacher really kind of swung me over, but, um, but it ended up being the right move. I mean, I just couldn't deal with um, any kind of, I don't any kind of well we'll just say regular type job <laughs> where people yeah, have put right. expectations on art making I guess so um right and there was a really good um teacher in Athens um really inspiring guy James Herbert who um was a, made these just gigantic messy paintings and like as a kid I'd never seen anyone work like that before but he also did like a lot of um a lot of Super 8 work, and he actually did a few REM videos back in the day. That's cool. He was just kind of like this enormous character that um, you hadn't met before until then. Um, so yeah, he was kind of helpful in getting me that push towards whatever fine art was, and, and I was seeing more stuff through him and through um, just people around, and that was great. Yeah. The uh, the choice to go to UGA, like you said, it was kind of financial and local, so that made it convenient, right? <clears throat> yeah, it was. Because you didn't, because you were talking about having this kind of like draw to get out to this. Were you still when you were <laughs> there? Were you thinking after this is over, I'm gonna um, go north or hit New York or hit a city? Like, what? When did that pool happen, or was Atlanta city enough? Um, you know, I. Atlanta was, was nice in a lot of ways. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, and I didn't really, at that point I hadn't like, I didn't have, I wasn't the type of person to have like a grand scheme or anything. Um, but I had an inkling that I wanted to maybe get out of the South. Like I, I liked the idea of going to Athens and it was also very fun, but it was sort of like, so much of a relative to Atlanta that I kind of was like, well, you know, there's gotta be something 
way different than this. And actually, you know, through that teacher who had lived in New York multiple times. And um, I also had a girlfriend um, that was older at the time that moved to New York before me. Um, so I would, that kind of lit a fire about that. Uh, unfortunately, she moved back right as I was planning to move. And I was like, well, sorry, <laughs> you got me too into New York now, so I'm, I'm just going to go. Um, but yeah, I didn't really, you know, I had um, some romantic ideas about um, the city at that point and couldn't not check it out. And Pratt was kind of a, a way to ease into it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Little landing pad. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Did you, uh, did you always have a sort of interest also in you mentioned literature, like writing or critical thinking as far as, you know, was that, was that stuff, um, sort of in there early on or did that develop more through like when you were in school in New York and, you know, doing the art quote unquote art world thing a little more? Um, well, you know, I had some, a few authors I was into when I was younger, but I wasn't like, and it kind of helped maybe define stylistically what I like, but, um, um, like Hemingway and Beckett, kind of just like a very minimal, precise, way of looking at things that I mm-hmm. feel like kind of relates to the art that I like now. Um, but yeah, I wasn't super, I never got super deep into literature. And, um, but when I did go to Pratt, I had, um, I mean, there was some interesting teachers there, um, but the art history and criticism, uh, master's teachers were really quite good. Um, Marjorie Wellish, I don't, you might've heard of her. Um, Sounds familiar. was really excellent. And she kind of helped us hone our writing skills. I, you might say I kind of got more out of the writing uh, art history branch of Pratt than I did the actual painting branch. No offense to yeah. those teachers if you're listening. <laughs> I'm really well, we all f- gravitate <laughs> to the voice. You know what I mean? Like you, you kind of, everyone finds their, their way differently or yeah resonates with different faculty or different courses and things like that you know yeah it's not always the the standard ones like advanced painting that just set you ablaze that's yeah that's true and i mean also criticism in art history was kind of left field enough that i was i let it you know get into me pretty easily whereas i was a little bit of a bastard to my painting teachers like what do you know uh, I'm bringing <laughs> uh, that student. I'm bringing whatever to the table I thought I was bringing, but um, yeah, but yeah, <laughs> I I had a uh, like a sneaky class that actually it was an art history class that was it it was like a special topics one that each semester it changed, mm. and the semester before I had a friend who took it and it was on Kandinsky and I was like oh it's amazing a class on Kandinsky. And then when I took it, it was on Manet, and I was like, well, that sucks. <laughs> like, who cares about Manet? It ended up being one of the best classes I ever took. Yeah. And it was so detailed. That sounds great, actually. It, and at the time, I was kind of like, oh, this is kind of interesting. It's a little tedious. But, <laughs> but it taught me how to basically, I didn't realize it until years later, but it taught me how to think or how someone could dive deep into work and think 
deeply about it and then also connect dots of the past and and sort of pull them in which was really because it was yeah. basically on Dejeuner Solaire but it was on all the different references and, wow I don't know it was just fascinating kind of a, le- but it's, a lesson on how to look yeah. at things really exactly yeah and I thought I was getting ripped off but it ended up being <laughs> like the best class that I ever took <laughs> yeah that, it kind of works out like that sometimes you can't predict what's gonna get in there yeah or the faculty that you're just like oh this you're gonna dread taking a class with this person because you've heard they're just the worst you know <laughs> and it ends up being maybe not easy but you do learn a lot from it or it's the challenge of it that's really yeah yeah um, rewarding long term it's a force from the trees thing. Sometimes you got to get away from it for a while, though, to appreciate it. Yeah, that's true. And I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I have a little remorse that I didn't listen to the my painting teachers as much because they were perfectly great. And um, I mean, I did to some degree. But like, I look at the kids coming out now and how focused they are and how like, like from so young, I've been taking these painting classes and I'm just like, dang. <laughs> That's impressive. Um, but, um, and that even in grad school, I was kind of like thrashing around a little bit, you know, maybe just a different yeah, era. It's, it's so different now because the information, the accessibility of all that information. Right. Yeah. I mean, even like when you were talking about school or, you know, you heard from a teacher in New York school, like that's how we went on. Like yeah. we based our decisions based on like a teacher saying like, oh, well, you know, this is a great program. You should check that one out. It wasn't like you could do right. broad research. We weren't going to fly around to a bunch of different grad schools, or or at least I wasn't. Right, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You just had to kind of go on gut feel or something, yeah. which was based on no <laughs> <laughs> real research. Right. Yeah, like I knew but next I think, to nothing about Pratt, except that it was literally in New York City, so. And an art school. And that seemed right? cool. Yeah, and it was art school. And See, I think you need a little bit of that blind kind of like throwing a dart at the board see where it takes you attitude as an artist because if you want everything mapped out and spelled out and structured it's hard right it's just not that it's not that thing you know usually well yeah and the artists that i tend to like are the ones that took a circuitous path to this (laughs) right i think um um the weirdos i guess but um yeah but yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just, um, a lot of things are different these days. I mean, there's a lot of the, um, people talk about music like that as well, I guess. It's right. Uh, probably so much more pressure. It's mapped out. There's all these different things you have to do now to promote. Right. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, when you were at Pratt, I'd imagine that's a pretty great environment. I mean, were you going a lot of the people who go to school in New York City, I didn't. So I always have this question of like, was it was it hard to focus? There's so much going on. It's so exciting. Like you're in the city. You could go to shows, to music shows. Yeah. To, there's so much to keep you busy. But I, it turns out, seemingly, a lot of people who go to art school in New York City kind of hunker down and just do a lot of studio work. But how was it yeah. for you, that shift? Because Atlanta's a big city, but that's a big change of the vibe and feel you know yeah i think um that's a good question i guess everyone's different i feel like i naturally i'm just someone who likes to hunker down more and just stay in and 
do my work, do my little yeah. proclivities. But, um, uh, but also coming from Athens, like you were, there was so much music there and you're expected to see a bunch of shows all the time, which I did, uh, for very cheap looking back. Um, yeah. and it was great. Uh, I don't regret any of, you know, uh, just so many good shows, but, um, but yeah, by the time I think I got to grad school, I was like ready to just paint a lot. Cause, uh, like, like you had said before, like, uh, maybe like you, I was kind of late to this, to the fine art thing. And I was, once you figure out that's like kind of your thing, you're like really kind of gung ho on it and you yeah. want to throw all of your energy into it. And, and, you know, it was, it was, it was fun. It was just a lot of fun for me. And I was free to kind of try different things at that point and bounce around and you were going to see galleries and when you weren't painting you were going to museums it was it was pretty great looking back yeah what you what were you making in Pratt I mean I'm sure it was evolved it was yeah it was mostly all painting um I think um at that point you know when I first got there I was really into um well, in, in undergrad, like a lot of dudes, I probably got really into like Francis Bacon, Philip Guston type sure. kind of more emotional wrenching kind of work. And so I was kind of on that tip for a while. And, um, you know, I dabbled a little in abstraction. I think I've always been more um, oriented towards figuration, but um, but there was just so much good abstraction coming that had come out of New York city. You, I felt like I couldn't yeah. ignore it as a painter. And there was just so many, there was, um, just so much to, um, to bite into when you started learning about it. Um, not just the history of it, but like different techniques and different ways of making a painting. And it's also interesting when you're young, I think, I mean, some people are very like linearly focused and, yeah. uh, just just go through it doing their thing um and that's cool but uh but i was you know always had my head turned at like different things because it just it all seemed interesting yeah it's funny those people were locked in and they just they just ride that lane you know i can't well in in school in our day too i think you know the sort of late 90s that time period was kind of a weird time for painting. Oh, totally. There's a lot of, it was coming out of that sort of earlier nineties of the biennial when it was really kind of like performance based and a lot of political, like it was very conceptual, conceptually driven work. And then, you know, it was pre like the boom when painting just started to blow back up again and like the UCLA thing and all that stuff. So it was right. kind of a weird time, but I think people were, or at least people in the programs that I was in and the people around were, everyone's just kind of searching through stuff and kind of trying to keep open. And even if your work wasn't tapping in all this different stuff, your, your mind was taking all that stuff in. So right. I got really interested in people like Bruce Nauman to, you know, Annette Messenger to, you know, on Kawara and I mean, it was all, it was all over the place, you know, just take Chris Burden, taking it all in. 
and just right, of course, wanting to you know sponge <laughs> all that art into the brain, but at the same time, you know, just making paintings, really. Right. Yeah. I mean, I remember. I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but the way I'm remembering it is that time period was very. There was a lot of kind of like new abstraction happening, like that Jonathan Lasker kind oh, of yeah. rethinking of abstraction, and it felt very dominant. And maybe it just felt that way because it was also sort of dominant at Pratt. Um, and then like this fresh face kid, um, John Curran just kind of popped up, I think around that, that time <laughs> and everyone was like, Oh yeah, you can paint the figure. You can be cool and ironic about it too. And that started a whole new kind of thing. Um, it's weird. It feels like ages ago, but, um, I think it, I think it, it kind of was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It does feel like an eternity. <laughs> yeah, I mean, thinking about Curran as like um, not famous, internationally famous right. now, just feels weird. But um, but yeah, there was a point where he was new, and I was going to see that work. Uh, Sean Landers. That's when those people were kind of starting to really percolate. I feel like, um, and like Lisa Yuskovich. I guess those were the big three. So like, figuration was kind of coming back again and no one knew why or how I feel like at that point but um but yeah it was it was a different time <laughs> for sure but did you you were I mean was your work kind of you mentioned Bacon or Gustin I mean was it sort of riding between abstraction and figuration at that point I you know at that point I really liked kind of the um the bravado of that, to be completely honest, it kind of yeah. appeals to a young male, I think. Uh, and the work was, was great. Actually, it's funny, like uh, thinking about Bacon, because I, there was, I don't think any Francis Bacon's maybe in the state of Georgia, but I got that um, David Sylvester interviews book um, mm -hmm. with Francis Bacon when I was probably just like, I don't know, second year of college or probably junior year of undergrad. And I was like, so taken with it. Um, but it was all in black and white. And then when I finally saw Bacon's in person, I was like, wow, these are kind of garish actually. <laughs> I didn't know they were so loud really. Um, yeah. but I mean, still liked them. It's just kind of like, it just kind of showed me how little I really knew about Francis Bacon when I had, even though I'd kind of like devoured a bunch of books on him. Yeah. Um, but wait, I'm, I'm, I don't know if that was... That's kind of an aside. What was your original... Well, question? I was just asking about what that oh, was. Oh, like how I got it was writing that. that line right. between figuration and abstraction. Yeah, yeah, kind of. I think I more liked um, the angst of that work at that point. Like It's kind of emo. Yeah, because right? <laughs> the teen thing and then going into um, being a kind of brooding college student... Um, it just kind of appealed at that time. You know, I think before that, the art that I had liked that I'd seen mostly in prints would be like a Matisse or like, uh, I really remember liking Will Barnett a lot when I was young and being like, oh, oh these really? are really... How did you find How did you find those? He has, he's done a lot of prints and they're kind of like everywhere, yeah. I feel like. I, I don't think my parents had one, but someone, maybe a friend's parents had a couple. Um uh, even Balthus who kind of walks, he's kind of like angsty and, um, serene at the same time somehow. I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, like 
I kind of moved into like the angstier painters after that. And then, and then that led into Abex cause that's kind of their whole thing too. Uh, yeah. old school emo, I guess. But, um, right. The bravado. <laughs> yeah. And never, like I said, never like made the leap really to abstraction, but, um, but, uh, I don't know. It felt it all now that I'm at this age, it felt kind of like a strange diversion, like, because I was really, yeah. I'm really more of somebody who likes to, um, work kind of, um, more focused and like cleanly. And it took a while for my work to kind of come back to that. Yeah. And it's like the, when you go away to college and your room's a mess and then it, <laughs> For some people, at a certain point, you're like, you know, I don't really like, like living in squalor. <laughs> so you try to clean up, and then you're like, right. yeah, I can, I like this. <laughs> and then some people like lock in and just ride the squalor out forever and live like you know, <laughs> a college student. But it you you move through these cycles. Yeah, actually, was your music changing? Was it parallel too? Were you going through some angsty music at that time too, or was it purely visual? Um. Well, I mean, I think Nevermind hit when I was like a junior in high school and that kind of just perfect. Everything kind yeah. of went into that direction pretty much musically. Um, yeah. And Pixies it can be a little. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for sure. I mean, I got that what that was that same vibe, but it was like, you know, you're kind of looking for something harder when you're a young male and um, right. I don't know, but, um, but that kind of, that slowly mellowed into more like kind of chill, um, esoteric or more like intellectual music, like pavement. I became a huge pavement person at a certain point. I still like them a lot. Yeah. But, oh, amazing. I remember (laughs) when someone, someone gave me Slanted Enchanted. Uh, yeah. And they had stole it from the radio station. It was kind of right after it came out. Yeah, I think ninety three, maybe. I think it came out in ninety two. Yeah, that was ninety two, I believe. And I think I got it ninety three. And uh, yeah, that that was just like it was confusing. Right. Like I was really drawn to it, but I was like, "What? What is this?" Yeah, you know? yeah. It was so like it. It felt like it was breaking rules. So it was really, and then that cover with the piano keys and the painting was yeah. just really kind of you know it was so off the map but like also really catchy somehow well the guy's a genius too i met him once before a show in pittsburgh oh uh, yeah and uh yeah he was bombed he was hilarious he just came <laughs> out in the crowd before as the in between the, the you mean steven <laughs> I, I him. Right? Yeah, yeah steve malcolmus yeah and he was just like talking people up in the crowd it was hilarious it was really funny. yeah i mean it's actually kind of a similar um thing with them that I got from Dylan originally is that like, wow, this, like, again, this guy can't really sing, but I'm really drawn to his music and, um, his songwriting and, you know, like Dylan was really able to open me up to like all the other bands I didn't really know about necessarily. I mean, not a huge fan, but like Sonic Youth or like, um, God, who else is like, even like, um, Bill Callahan or like Will Oldham or like just kind of see small. Yeah. Yeah. Palace brothers. Yeah. Palace was good. I was also thinking when you mentioned bacon, I was thinking of, remember that band called Brainiac? Oh yeah. Wait, was that, um, that wasn't what's his name's band. Uh, 
Now, maybe I'm thinking of someone else. Now, where's Brainiac from? Uh, I think Dayton, maybe. That sounds really familiar, but I don't... Someone's going to kick me in the ass <laughs> if I'm wrong. But they were this kind of, like, really hard... But it was weird. It was, like, um, kind of like what comes after grunge, but it was a little bit mm. harder, in a sense, but it was almost poppy, but crunchy, and I don't know. Yeah. It was just, like... It was kind of like pavement-ish, but a little more hard. But in the hardcore kind of... Kind of. But not unwoundish, more mm. like a little makeup-ish. I don't know. It was. <laughs> right. It just had this feeling of you know, uh, and and the singing was all distorted. It was saying it sounded like they were singing through a distorted megaphone or something. Yeah, that was, was pretty great. Yeah, that's interesting. I, sh- I should check them out. <laughs> I'll send you a link. The, the the guy died really young in a car crash. I think. Oh wow. The the and then the group just ended but there were a lot of people and that was like the john spencer blues explosion it's kind of <laughs> that vibe of people you know right that, yeah that group they were um, was, i saw them live in athens they were amazing i mean it's not like the energy yeah just the energy it's like i can't remember one song to be honest but like <laughs> yeah i remember it was just like an energetic like insane show yeah it's like it after a john spencer show it's like the sweat more than anything else yeah. that you feel, you know, it's, it's a visceral kind of, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you chilled out when you graduated. Uh, um, not yet. You didn't oh, you chill mean from, right after pre- from Brett. Um, oh, just in, in general, like you, well, then it's just like, you, you know, real, real life stuff, right? You're like, I have to get my life fun. together. Um, yeah, that's and <laughs> still make this art somehow. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if I chilled out, necessarily um i kind of went studio in the studio i was you know i was doing some figurative paintings for a while um kind of i started doing some more hard edgy type figurative stuff but then i kind of like took a turn into like kind of like a softer pop era where i was Mm -hmm. like um doing like kind of sculptural objects but with the canvas and um, started doing all kinds of things like cigarettes and other things that could be broken down into like very basic shapes. Um, graves, I did a couple of gravestones. I forgot about those. Um, but like three dimensional, but as like kind of almost as like abstract paintings. Um, yeah. and that led to started, I started doing book painting, like paintings of books and they were like mm-hmm. also pretty abstract. Uh, and that kind of was fun for me because of the graphic getting back into like a graphic element that, um, that I liked, although it was still pretty abstract at that point and just kind of fun making these like gnarly little objects. Um, and I was looking at John's a lot at that point and like some of the yeah. proto pop artists. Uh, so yeah, I was, that kind of fed me for probably like 10 years or so. And did you, at that time, sort of in that era, were you, did you start writing some too? Uh, yeah, let me think. I didn't really start writing probably for another 10 years. So like, like 2010. After that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd always enjoyed thinking about art, I guess, but, um, I never really put myself out there. Uh, God, you know, I can't even really remember the first time I wrote about art, but I, I do remember kind of my friend Rachel kind of, um, 
recommending me to the to art forum for their online reviews and that was really great learning experience um i think lauren o'neill butler was the one of the editors at that time that i worked with and she taught me a lot actually about how to write how to get to the point um how to kind of really craft what you're saying better um and yeah it was just that was just kind of became an extension of me already kind of going to see stuff anyway and thinking about art so you know that was pretty fun and i think yeah by that time i was already like kind of a father so i didn't have a ton of of. (laughs) yeah (laughs) i didn't have a ton of spare time that's why i was making these kind of very small paintings and uh you know doing like 300 word reviews yeah and yeah it was nice it wasn't like leading to a lot but it was kind of a good place to be uh, thinking and working yeah it's like a different itch to scratch you know but yeah but writing is it's it's not easy although if you're writing like things like reviews you know i guess you to your point it's it's not you know it's not Hemingway you know, <laughs> writing for <laughs> right you know what I mean like the the pace of it and you're getting to the point and you know yeah and but I would imagine that that feeds the whole process you know of of just thinking and making and I don't know like yeah. I I think you know I started this talking to other artists and the last thing I was really thinking about is like oh this is really going to feed my brain when it comes <laughs> to thinking and talking about art or whatever huh. but it, it really does you know because you're putting yourself outside your studio you're right. you're looking at other stuff you're thinking about what they're trying to say and how they're doing it and you're reflecting on that which I think especially for teachers that's really important to be able to put your own crap to the side you know what right, I mean and yeah. just really try to see what this person's doing and how they're getting at it so it's it's really fruitful in a way it is yeah um i mean there's a couple different things i just am someone who likes getting kind of like a cohesive notion about someone's body of work and it's just fun for me um and like you said yeah learning about that artist um is great and i think you'll probably agree um it's really i think it's really helpful as an artist to define what you're not sometimes yeah um (laughs) uh so I mean, but to really do that, you have to kind of delve into it pretty far, I think, sometimes. And there was some artists that I, like, didn't have a clue about when I approached the work. And, you know, really researching it, going into it. Like, one time I did a Frank Stella review, and I just was like, okay, I'm going to pan the shit out of this. Uh, (laughs) But by the end, I was like, damn, he's, you know, he's good. He's really good at what he does, and obviously it's... Um, you know, it's, he's kind of an amazing touch point as an artist and it's like, yeah, it's gotten a little repetitive in some ways, but, (laughs) but, um, you know, you have to respect, um, the hustle and where he came from and everything. So, um, just as an aside, but like, yeah, what you're saying, I think it's helpful in your studio to kind of know what's out there and how people are succeeding at these wildly different things it's humbling in another way too you know it's like wow that guy i would never think to do something like that project and it's just he's just killing it or she yeah well i think what happens i don't know if you feel this way but what happens is it's daunting at first when you see all these different people hitting on all these different levels but then it almost reifies your 
um, faith in a personal voice. You know, there's a yeah. lot of voices out there. That's a very good point. It's like, yeah, well, you're different. It's kind of like the thing of with music. Now everyone can post their stuff online. You know, everyone can and can put their music out there, yeah. which could be daunting because it's like, well, who's going to listen to mine? But then you realize you're different. You know, and the same thing with. You know, not to bring it up, but like AI, it's like, yeah, there's a lot of generated art content out there, but now, like, artists who have their own soul voice, I mean, that's, that's, in a way, that's kind of more unique, right. more than ever. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, yeah. I we all have to come up with excuses for keep doing this stuff. Because <laughs> we all just, or, or most of us just want to do it. We just feel right. compelled to make stuff. And, and we try to validate it or say, well, you know, this is why we should, or we can keep doing it. But it's that desire to do it, which is really important to listen to. And that's, you know, someone's voice. You know? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I don't know, I'm not trying to be humble or anything, but I really can't wrap my head around the AI thing just yet. And maybe it's just yeah, too it's far in the future still or, yeah, but, um, and you know, like, you probably think the same when you see an AI image. You're not impressed necessarily. It's just not like right. uh, maybe to a non-artist, it's cool. Um, but it's and it's just like the kind of it's not even that, but it's just the remove, like how far it is from someone really having a notion about something or just someone seeing something that's in their orbit and like uh, working off of that somehow. I don't know totally how to describe it but just I know what you mean yeah something on that's the ground that's what's comforting about it right if it were getting really unique and you felt the voice that would be freaky yeah and I think that's <laughs> like, like the camera the camera did the same thing right right yeah people must have seen photographs in the beginning and was like <sighs> there goes painting we're screwed <laughs> it looks just like it you know like they were freaked out and they were you know it became you know, the artist's voice became the mistakes or the weirdness of it and what made it unique. And, and it wasn't right. just about that technique of making something look like right now. AI just takes those words and makes something that looks kind of like the description. Right. Yeah. yeah. But the, w what's the voice of it? It's not really a voice. It's just regurgitating. So that's fine. Yeah. It's, it's cool. And I think you stuff know. like that is what kind of has made me come like kind of almost full circle back to like, like Will Barnett or artists like that. Uh, Milton, yeah. Milton Avery too, who I've in the middle of all of the other stuff have gotten like, had gotten really into, um, as an artist and just like, but just like, I'm just going to paint or I'm going to create something about what is right here in front of my face and right. <laughs> what I know to be real because there's so That's, much like just, yeah. we're just too, or overly connected to, yes. to, you know, pretend stuff like AI, but also just like things that are across the world that we really don't have any idea about. Um, but it's kind of in our face all the time. Right. I, I really connect with that. It's, it's funny because I think my earlier work when I came out of school was about the world and it was kind of about maybe anonymity of myself trying to suppress right. me in the work and really talk about our environment and what that means and what that says about us. Right. And now with, I, it's not that I planned it, but the the work I'm opening next month is all really personal. It may not look it, like people might not know these places and all this stuff is extremely personal, but it is. So right. you feel that connection that you know 
no one else can have that. Right. I mean, everyone can relate to it. They can look at it and hopefully get that feeling, but it's just a personal thing that's undeniable. It's almost like you retract to yourself because you're real. Like your <laughs> feelings exactly. and connections are real and no one can deny that. That doesn't mean you have to like it or not, but right. you, there's a there's something very direct about that which feels important today. Yeah. And important to you, I mean, because yes. I think what also it might be normal, you know, once you hit a certain age and you you kind of see the face of death a little bit. <laughs> it shows itself. <laughs> You're, yes. you're like, oh my God, I have to kind of take stock a little bit now. Yes. And um, those things do become more important, obviously. Yeah. Um, I, it's hard to say how, I mean, probably not that important to people in their 20s when they're really defining themselves in this kind of, or their stance in kind of a whatever environment they're in, you know, it's just a different right. time of life for people. But, um, but yeah, they get, you know, I guess we're both in that zone right now I think that's what makes well not fashionable now <laughs> necessarily the long look really interesting when you you know the Stella show at, at the uh, the Whitney was really interesting because you mm. saw all those changes yeah. you saw his mind and, and those changes happen over the decades unfold and I think it's really valuable to see or invest in an artist's work over decades and decades because you sort of see that shift. There's the same intuitive approach to making maybe, but it's really, there's a shift in the work and what becomes important and how they, what they zoom in on that I think is informative and really kind of cool to see, which doesn't yeah. happen if someone's just hitting for like a, a year or two and then everyone forgets about that artist and it's on to the next. Yeah, I was going to say, unfortunately, that seems to be, it seems to happen a lot more or get, at least it gets the attention more so. Um, right. But there's still a lot of very interesting mid-career, late-career artists that have, uh, their artwork has mutated into something really strange and it's gratifying, like you said, to kind of watch it do that over time. Yeah, definitely. I think now we're in more of a Spotify one, like a single, right? You know, just singles coming out, and it's different people, and you just who was that? You just on to the next. Well, also for our young artists, they just haven't had those years. They haven't had enough years of their life to see an artist kind of branch out or change. Or that's um, true. Yeah, I mean, I think about like Maplethorpe's work, like how he was just doing flowers near the end, and that was just like, but it was still like incredibly erotic. <laughs> Yeah. Because yeah, you knew his body of work and you knew where it was coming from. Right. Yeah, that stuff is so good. That's why I really do love seeing retrospectives or surveys. Yeah. You know, and I remember early on seeing a Van Gogh. It was Van Gogh and Japanese prints at the Carnegie Museum in Pittsburgh. And it was, huh. you saw his work change over the year. This is before the internet. And I didn't have right, any Van yeah. Gogh books when I was a kid. So, you know, you saw these changes in you over time it was just so cool to see that yeah know? yeah for sure with him i mean and how he didn't even live that long right how when did he die no he was I don't, <laughs> it, he wasn't that old but he moved he just like mowed through st you know there's no there's no nothing else to do 
you couldn't do that. You just <laughs> right, yeah. drink absinthe and let it roll. Right, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Until it gets too dark. You know, lop an ear off and, you know, take a trip to Arles <laughs> or whatever, and you just keep going, you know, while you're painting every day. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I mean, you know, we're, I mean, we are in that kind of mid-career zone, which can be a little weird sometimes, but... Yeah. Um, but, you know, it's it's a zone where it's gratifying for us, if other people want to latch onto it, that's great too. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. You just got to keep doing your thing, you know. It's exactly. Yeah, I was just saying that to a friend the other day. Like, you can't even really do anything else at this point. Right. Um, because I, you know, I don't know if you're the same, but um, I, ha- I was always like, there was different points in my life up to now where it's like, you know, you have some like moderate competencies and other things. Like, maybe you should like start a business or I don't know, just, uh, go work as a writer or something, be a journalist or something. I don't know. Maybe you could just give up this art thing for good, (laughs) but like (laughs) I was never able to do it. And now I'm kind of at this point where it's like, I know that I'll never be able to do it. At least I don't have any, um, way to, to quit it, I guess. So yeah, it's hard to with art because you can just keep making, I mean, unless you really, you know, the arthritis is really kicking in or you're really struggling. <laughs> right. You can keep going and going with it. I mean, I know I'll be painting for the, for the run of it. Yeah. And you can, I mean, you can downsize it as much as you need. You could just do pencil drawings. You could do little, yeah. little canvases, whatever you need to do to, to keep going. You do it. Well, so let's, we should also talk a little bit about your show. Uh, yeah, we should. Um, it's, yeah, it's kind of the paintings that I've basically been working on since the pandemic. Um, almost entirely, like I was, you know, like I was saying, uh, mostly images of my girlfriend, my kids, um, the surrounding landscape, just whatever's kind of animals, whatever's kind of just, you know, whatever I'm connecting with, kind of, obviously, yeah. um, my girlfriend, Emily Pettigrew is a painter also, and she's been a mm-hmm. kind of a, a muse in a way since we met. Um, very easy to incorporate into what I'm working on. So, um, um, yeah. And I guess not immediately, but right around a little after the pandemic, a little after we moved, I kind of shifted into this more, um, that's when I kind of moved away from the more object-like paintings to the more image-based, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, I don't know if it's the surroundings that had to do with that or just, and also my palette kind of calmed down (laughs) and with the natural surroundings. um, And I just, it's also kind of like reflecting on like the time that we're in artistically and how there's just like, um, it felt weird not to paint kind of, or just like make paintings that are paintings. Um, it just seemed like what I wanted to return to and what people were talking about also. I mean, I don't know, maybe there, um, you know, there's kind of like an element of abstraction and stuff that I'm still interested in. That's maybe kind of more our era in a sense, but, um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, they're really feeding me right now and um and yeah um 
the gallery was, uh, they opened up this kind of Greenpoint space. So it felt like a good, um, nice little jewel box size for, to show like six paintings. Full circle too, back to the GPT. Yeah. Right. Where it all <laughs> I started. I can't escape. <laughs> um, but that, yeah, that neighborhood has changed drastically also, but, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, Although it's, it's got a feel to it that's, even though it has changed, I feel like the core of it is still there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Especially Maybe more so than like Bedford Avenue or South Williamsburg or something. Yeah, over by the water in Greenpoint's a little like, you know, there's room to build those towers, but oh yeah, up in, those, yeah. in like Manhattan Avenue, like that's still got Peter Pan donuts there yep. and whatever else. <laughs> Cinderella gifts. <laughs> Oh, you know, you have a painting called East Met West. Is that in... Yeah, that's the, the <clears throat> Chinese that place. Yeah. <laughs> is that still there? I don't know. It is. Yeah. I had a feeling that was named after that. <laughs> I've always been fascinated with the East Met West. It's such a great name, right? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> it's got that old crappy sign that's just been there forever. Yeah. No, I just had like these two kind of like interlocking faces for that painting yeah. that were facing opposite directions, and it was just like finally... I have an excuse to use that Chinese restaurant as a title. Little East Williamsburg shout out for those who know. Right. Yeah, that's man. That's pretty good. Um, yeah, the neighbor, the old neighborhood. So yeah. the show's in Greenpoint. And is, that space is pretty new? Uh, you know, it's I don't know exactly how many shows they've done, but it's kind of uh, uh, a new branch for Halsey McKay, which yeah. uh, he started in in East Hampton as a space yes. out there when and then everything kind of got really crowded out there um a lot of attention out in the hamptons but um but yeah he's doing great out there and uh decided to open this up and i don't know how long it's been maybe a year maybe more i'm not mm-hmm. sure but yeah um but yeah it was it's fun we haven't done the opening yet that's going to be on the 25th so that nice. should be fun if you're in town Yes, I will be. Oh, cool, yeah. Uh, well, everyone should go check it out. I'm going to try and to make... You're... Go ahead. I'm going to try to make some cookies for it, so... There you go. <laughs> if that gets you in the door. <laughs> Sweeten the deal. Yeah, they might be Eat oatmeal, cookies. but, you know, I'll try to make them good. Oh, I like an oatmeal cookie. Okay, yeah, it's like kind of an adult cookie, right? Yeah, you know... Mature Discerning, cookie. semi-healthy <laughs> tastes. <laughs> Baking is a big thing in Greenpoint, by the way. Yeah. You got bakery there and radio bakery. There's a lot of good baked goods. Maman, there's a lot uh, of good baked good God. options in that neighborhood. Yeah. If you, you're going to have to bring your cookie game. If you're afraid of gluten, that's like the not a great place to, oh, that's true. <laughs> to be living. Yeah, that's but, a war zone. <laughs> <laughs> um, get caught in a crossfire between those places. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, be good. To, and, um, and didn't you just have something kind of recently or? Uh, it's coming up. Oh, it's coming up. March, okay. March 28th, the solo show. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. And that's a big space, right? It is. And it's like two bodies of work. So it's like two, not two full galleries, but the front and then a back gallery. Well, that's nice. It's two bo- different uh, bodies of work. Nice so, to yeah. break it up, I think, right? Yeah. And it's, you know, it's always nice to just share the work with people right it's been yeah. like a year and a half almost two years i think so oh, really wow. here in the city okay so, yeah it'll be fun did you have a pandemic show or was it kind of 
after that ended. The uh, last one. I did. The last one was after. Yeah, I guess that's after, last, right? Yeah, last one was in 2021. Is that right? Yeah. So like, yeah. I think. Okay. Yeah, and all that work was about COVID. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of hard not to, in a of way. Of course, yeah. I'm sure it touched kind of every artist, every artist somewhat. Yeah, kind of, I mean, what was, they were doing. every press release had it in it. Right. It was, you know, we we were. It was bizarre for the world to be in the same, relatively the same boat for like a year. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there was something. There was a cohesive, unconscious thread through all that work that came out of that. Yeah. No, I mean, I think some of the kind of more personal subjects obviously that I'm working on and I guess maybe you as well it's like kind of come out of that to a degree um aside from where we are in life age-wise but um but yeah no it's been it's been fun and I think for the artist too it's kind of like as you get older it's this nice way to kind of see how you your views have progressed you know from when you were younger yeah yeah, I, I totally agree. It's funny because the stuff that I'm going to be showing is is inspired. It's the places that I went after everything opened up. So it was a lot of travel with my family. Huh. So a lot of those images. That's so it's nice. kind of the next stage. But similar to what you're talking about where you reflect on those close to you. Right, yeah. Because of that experience. But it was actually reflecting on those close to you in relation to getting back into the world and seeing things because when you see things after being stuck so for such a long time it everything kind of looks different or maybe it's just the experience feels new because you haven't done it in a while right yeah yeah that's true i could see how that would feed you for sure um but man i miss that i miss the covid driving kind of because uh <laughs> when i was picking up my kids in the city it was like just that the highways were like empty it was beautiful it was like the most amazing driving yeah that's gone and now it's just you know <laughs> it's been back for a while but um yeah so your show when's it close how long is it up um you know i should know this i think it's march 15th okay. um but yeah it's up for a few weeks after the opening um it's been getting you know people that I know that have gone by are really positive about it so I'm like I'm happy about that and um and after that I'm doing something with platform uh so it's the online thing uh probably have like four paintings with them that'll be cool um because your your work has to adapt to online no matter who you are now (laughs) right um but yeah I'm looking forward to that uh and then beyond that, just making more stuff and seeing where it goes. Well, uh, everyone should go check out your show. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Great, Congratulations yeah. on it. And uh, and it was great to talk, man. Thanks for, it was. for doing this. Yeah, I feel like it, we could just keep going. Because we haven't... Again, yeah. we started with getting old and now we're, <laughs> with, we're getting old. Well, <laughs> Full circle. Yeah, and I haven't talked to you and I don't even know how long, but... There's there's a lot to discuss, but we'll do the rest of it privately, I guess. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much. Man. Yeah, my pleasure. Sound Division is recorded, edited, and produced by myself, Brian Alfred. You can find out more about the broadcast by checking out the website, soundivisionpodcast.com, checking out images on Instagram at Sound Division Podcast. 
And actually, a great way to support the podcast is to tell a friend or make a post on Instagram or follow Sound Vision Podcast. It kind of helps everyone find out about the podcast who might be interested but haven't come across it yet. You could also support by getting the book, the official book of the podcast, Why Make Art, available on altillieradditions.com. Many thanks to Ryan for taking the time to talk. Make sure you go check out his show in Greenpoint at Halsey McKay. And make sure you follow him on Instagram, Ryan Stedman. Also, many thanks to Golden Artist Colors for their long support. And uh, Fulcrum Coffee Roasters for the caffeine, which helps this podcast stay afloat or awake. We've got some good episodes coming up, so make sure you stay tuned. Please write a review, give a rating, make a comment, and help spread the word. And thanks for listening.